Oh, gosh, that's a big question. I would tell them, I will tell all of you that the world needs you. You're here for a reason and you don't have to know what that is today. But part of this human experience is figuring it out. And it might just be that your smile changes someone else's life. And that's the whole purpose. So be yourself in this world and be willing to be brave and vulnerable and then forgive yourself when you're not. Love yourself, forgive yourself, repeat, repeat, repeat. Do you need encouragement to turn tragedies into your own triumphant life story? If so, this podcast is for you. Listen to powerful guests who have persevered through challenges so you can gain strength to build your championship life. The host of Professor of Perseverance Podcast, Dr. James Perdue. Hey, come on in today. It's time to get fired up. Keep some inspiration, some motivation, something that we can grab a little host of to get us through today. All right, you know, we're all struggling. We're going through something. Hey, we're getting out of a struggle, and life comes around. What happens? Boom, we get kicked in the teeth again. All right, so today, our guest, hey, she is known as a happiness person. She is certified happiness trainer. She wants to show you how to create a life that you love now, okay? She's an expertise in happiness, passion, purpose, self-love, spirituality, and not only that, she loves karaoke. She loves to sing. So maybe we can hit her up with something. I don't know. We'll see what we can do here. You know, get some happiness. We'll sing some happiness. All right. Welcome to the show, Tamara Zoner. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here. <laughs> what a hey, fun intro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you, you say that now, but you'll change your mind maybe in 20 <laughs> minutes. So hopefully not, but uh, you might. Uh, we'll, we'll see. So, all right. Uh, hey, uh, happiness. So, you know. We, we all deserve happiness throughout our life. And, you know, life comes and things happen. Whether, you know, sometimes we know it's coming. You yeah. know, we get, we're, something's going on, then we go to the doctor and they give us a diagnosis. And sometimes unexpected things happen, you know, um, car accident we weren't looking forward to. Or, so, but uh, yeah, we all deserve happiness, even when we are struggling. Uh, to get that little light to give us something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I I love how you phrase that because life is always happening. Life is always happening. And a lot of people think, well, I can't be happy when this thing is happening or until I get my raise or until I have that perfect partner or until my kids are grown up or until everything outside of me changes. But the reality is we can be happier right now. That's why I put that little now at the end of things, because it's not dependent on external circumstances, on people, on situations, on the government, on COVID. It's dependent. Your happiness is dependent on you. The main difference the research has found between happy people and unhappy people is simply that they have different habits. So using the right habits and practicing happiness means that you can be happy no matter what. And even when those, you know, the, you know, what hits the fan, you bounce back more easily when you practice happiness on a daily basis. 
I've been there when that stuff hits the fan too. It's not pretty. Right? It's, it's some stinky stuff. Yeah, it's not pretty, that's for sure. Okay. Oh, but you know, you know, what happens is we we get caught up in the old poor pitiful me. Mm-hmm. And then we want to wallow around in it like a pig in a mud and and not get out of it. Yeah. And then we're wondering why am I not so happy? Even even when the disaster has passed us. Yeah. And we want to hang on to what happened in the past mm-hmm. way too long. Not to say, not to say, I, I think we should visit the past. Oh, definitely. You know, uh, one, to show us where we've been, how far we've come, and how strong we really are. Mm-hmm. Two, hey, I, like Al Bundy, when he goes, you know, he always told everybody in the uh, sitcom, four touchdowns in one game. You know, not just all season, one game. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I like to relive some of my sports stuff that uh, when when I did well. And yeah. uh, but, good, but but you can't stay there forever. You still have to get out there and live your life and everything like that, you know, so. Absolutely. Because, I mean, you only have this one moment and it's always right now. The rest is the past or the future. And so many of us are living there ahead of where we're actually at or behind instead of right now. And right now, most of us are okay. Most of us are relatively happy right now. But the problem with our brains is that we tend to have repeating thoughts over and over and over. In fact, about 95% of our thoughts every day are repeated from the day before that and the day before that and the day before that. And so it's important to start to become more aware of what we're thinking and the the movies that we're replaying in our minds over and over so that we can actually step into our present moment and start creating from that so that the future, if, if the past wasn't a good one, the future can be better. Oh, exactly. And, uh, and since you mentioned that, uh, go to my website, professorperseverance.com. We do a little commercial break right here and go scroll down. And you'll find I have a free mini course on how the past doesn't have a future, but you do. So create your future today. Yeah. Back from commercial now. And so, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, you know, you know, uh, I've mentioned it. I, I don't get, I'm, uh, at least I'm nice enough. I don't mention my friend's name, but I <laughs> mentioned this situation that he lived so much in the past. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's the way we're brought up. I mean, he, don't get me wrong. He was poor, mm-hmm. but, um, he has an he had an opportunity to do better, um, but he got that DUI early in life, and he wants to hang on that forever. And I can't get a good job because I had this DUI forty five years ago, you know, whatever it was, thirty years ago. And instead of going, I screwed up, I messed up. Now let's make the best out of the situation and move forward in life, and yeah. then still have the best life possible, you know, from there. And so too many of us want to hang on. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand it. You know, it's what we call men, uh, victim mentality. And so if we're living as victims, like, oh, this happened to me. And so I can never get ahead. We don't have a whole lot of responsibility for our lives. So it's easy to, you know, make everything else the scapegoat. Well, I can't succeed because I had that thing so long ago. It's a way of BSing ourselves into thinking that we don't have responsibility for our lives. But the happiest people take total responsibility for their lives. We can't change the past, but we can certainly change the way that we look back at it 
and what we do right now today. Notice I'm saying that a lot because it's all today. Like we don't live in yesterday. We live right now and we create tomorrow in every moment. And so when we switch from this victim mentality of, oh, that happened to me, or I can't be happy because of my boss or my partner or my mother didn't treat me right when I was growing up, then we also don't have any power to create our own happiness. We give it all away. But if we say, hey, that happened to me and I'm going to work toward a solution of these repeating thoughts or these negative patterns, I'm going to take a solution at hand and start changing my mind and changing my behavior and my habits. Then we step into this empowered victor mode where anything is possible anything's possible. You're, nobody's to blame for what has happened to them, but we're all responsible for how we move forward and what we do with it. Well, you know, uh, we've been told to be life readers. We should read. And they say what the average person doesn't read one book after they get out of school uh, for the rest of their life, you know. And so, uh, but even though we should be life readers, we are definitely life students mm -hmm. if everybody wants to look at it that way. I mean, just because you get through school and you go, hey, I'm done with, I'm not going to learn anything. No, you better start learning stuff with life's teaching you and which you can learn from the past and then use that to get better for, like you said, for your tomorrow, for your future and everything. Because there's a lot to learn from it. It doesn't mean you have to live in it, but there's a lot you can learn from there. That's perfectly said that's so good oh, I have thank little... you i'll have to, <laughs> I have to i have to slip you that 20 dollar bill uh, in the mail one day for uh, that thank you you're so welcome i have this little sticker on my bathroom mirror because the bathroom mirror is a place where when we're getting ready we're thinking about the day ahead and we're thinking about yesterday and like was it good or was it bad and what happened? And maybe we're lamenting. A lot of people lament, you know? So on my bathroom mirror, I have this little sticker that says, what can I learn from this? What can I learn from this? Because I have this motto that everything happens for me. Now I didn't always have this motto, but about 10 years ago, I noticed I was being a total victim and thinking I was stuck in a situation when in fact, all I had to do was, have some different thoughts and change my mind and focus on a solution. And then I started living more empowered. And when I ask myself, what can I learn from this? And remind myself that everything is happening for me, no matter what, no matter what happens. If I fall and break, break my ankle and I'm gonna knock on some wood, hope that doesn't happen. But if I do, what can I learn from it? How can I grow from it? What is this teaching me? every single moment and not to bypass the pain of an experience because if we're truly authentically happy and that's my goal for people we also feel the hard stuff we allow it and we move through it and we allow it to move through us so that we don't get stuck in it and then live regretting our past for the next 20 or 30 years but if we learn from it we grow from it and we can consistently move forward and be much more empowered in our lives and it's those are the kinds of people we want to be around. So those are the kinds of people that, you know, have more friends and have more positive things happening to them. Whereas the victim might say, oh, he's so lucky. You know, everything good happens for him. But no, that guy's creating the good stuff by putting his attention on it. 
I like what you mentioned about how we grow, you know, growth of this, not only learning, but growing that way we can be better prepared for what comes next mm-hmm. and to help us get through it. And uh, yeah, and then I'm all big about we have to have a supporting cast. Yeah, we have to have, you know, you can't win the Super Bowl if you're the only one out there by yourself. Hundred uh, And again, the one thing is here and the same thing with the Super Bowl World Series uh, supporting cast. We don't have to like everything they do or like everything there, we, but we respect each other mm-hmm. and then, you know, and move forward from there. So, you know, you, you don't have to like, I, I, I'm also big, you know, that uh, people come into our lives. Yeah. We learn so much from them and they help us and teach us so much. Even, even the people that are bad to us. I say, especially. <laughs> I mean, you, you learn a lot from people. them. And, and then it may, if nothing else, how to avoid the next one coming to you. Yeah. Like, look at the difference in uh, empowerment here. So if I have someone who hurts me and I say, oh, this happened to me. They're terrible. And, you know, I, I'm a victim. I just I can't do anything versus, oh, this person is in my life and these things happened. What? can I do differently to make sure it doesn't happen again? What have they taught me? Not only about life, but about myself, who I am, what I'll stand for, what I'll stand up for, or what I'll allow, how I'll allow myself to be treated. And will I continue that? So, you know, my ex-husband is a great example of that. I love to call him and not to his face, but I love to call him the greatest teacher of my life because he consistently behaves in the same way that caused me to leave the marriage and get a divorce, which I'm so grateful that I finally was able to do after 15 years of living with someone who was emotionally and verbally abusive. Now, a lot of people in my position might continue to go, oh, I can't be happy because he hurt me so much, but he's not still hurting me unless I let him. Exactly. So you know, if we can say, this is my greatest teacher. So over the course of like the first five years after my divorce, especially, I would really pay attention to my own response. Anytime I had to communicate with him, like what happened in my body? What, what kind of things did I want to say? Could I come from a place of peace or was I agitated and stressed and wanting to just hit back? And it was when I could finally pause and let myself have the feelings of stress. I mean, there's, you know, when people have been through a long-term situation, there's going to be lingering effects in the body and we have to be patient with ourselves to process it and let the body learn a new response. And, and so I would just notice, I wouldn't judge myself for, Oh, you, you're terrible. You were, you, you reacted instead of responded. Just say, Oh, look, this was a little easier than the last time this you were a little more calm than the last time before that you responded instead of reacted and so if we can be aware of how we are showing up in our relationships then that's a huge part of our growth and we choose better relationships when we learn from the ones that weren't so supportive and that 
I call it the garden uh, of happiness. It's one of the main areas of happiness, those relationships that we have, the people we're surrounded with. Are they supporting us or are they tearing us down? And we've got to be willing to clean up our garden. <laughs> Get the old weeds out of there yeah. <laughs> so we can flourish. Yeah. So, all right, let's, uh, let me ask this question here, uh, Tamara. Let me ask this question. What was Tamara like then before the marriage? If you're talking about the, uh, you didn't say word abusive, so I hate to use that, but that's what I'm using mm -hmm. uh, from that, uh, from the control and yeah. verbal and emotional uh, from there, because that's, that's what it is. Yeah. And so um, uh, you didn't use it, but I'm throwing it out there. Okay. Now, so what was Tamara like before this? Or was she a good, happy, good, lucky going and outcast and going, man, I'm all fired up? Or were you low self-esteem? I'm lucky I fell in love with this man. He made me feel so special. Now I look where I'm at. And then you fell. And then you refound yourself or reborn afterwards. So what is Tamara beforehand and how'd you get where you're at today? You know, it's kind of a, I, I kind of did a repeating cycle. So I, I, my mother and I have a great relationship today. We've done a lot of healing, but I, I joke that quite seriously that I married my mother. So, uh, you know, she had a lot of mental health issues while I was growing up and they weren't really taken care of until I was in my early twenties when I, but I'm a naturally optimistic, happy person. You know, we're all born with a certain kind of, do you see the cup as half full or half empty? And I had this. All right, hold it right there. Sure. I'm going to ask the question. Okay. Do you see the cup full or half empty or half, uh, is it, no, it's a half full or half empty. There you go. That's, that's a half full or half empty. What I see it half full. You see it half full. Yeah. I, I'm a half I, full I, say, I say that's a, uh, I've come to the conclusion that's a, uh, a trapped question. Okay. You know why I say that now? Not because, sure. because what, what are you going to say? Neither going to say, well, it's half empty or you're negative. All right. If you say it's half full, then you go, Oh, you're positive. I say it's overwhelmingly overflowing full because if you look at the water, it's in there, then you're trapped into it depends how they phrase the question. If, if yeah. you look at a cup, if they say, hey, is it half full of water or half full or not? And then you're trapped into it. But if they just say, is it half full or half empty? Then let's look at the air that fills up in there yeah. that's overflowing. Yeah. And so uh, I think it's a trap, trapped question. Again, you got to listen carefully if someone says full of water or not. Mm -hmm. If they don't say the water, then you throw the whole thing out there. So, yeah. all right. I'm sorry. I, I, I like, I just, that's, I like, that's one of my, that's I, one of my, I like to tease people with. So, so. All right. It, well, it's good to broaden the perspective too. So I like that. My kids will say oh, it's full. It is full. It's full of air. Yeah. And I like to teach people how to have that cup overflowing. So, um, but I had a good optimistic, sunny, my, you know, my mom called me sunshine when I was little and my grandpa called me bright eyes and, and I just had a real perky personality. And, and then, you know, I became a teenager and that's when my mom really struggled with her mental health issues. And, and I maintained my optimism and, and somehow didn't 
really take on what she was saying to me. I had this like natural protective bubble around me. And so I never really had a massive self-esteem issues like most people do. In fact, uh, I think it's um, only 5% of graduating seniors of high school report high self-esteem. So low self-esteem okay. is is an epidemic. Two out of three adults suffer with low self-esteem. I could see that. Yeah. I, I didn't know the statistics, but I could see that, yes. Yeah. So it's really not something that we're not taught confidence. And it is a skill. So when I went to college, though, you know, I got away from the toxic home environment and started really discovering who I was. And I, I started singing some more. I was in choir all the time, but I did karaoke. You know, I love that. And I started to go dancing and then studying what I wanted to study, which was human beings. So psychology and family studies and family systems and really learning all of the stuff that I find so fascinating and being able to completely embrace who I am, you know, without parents telling me who I'm supposed to be or how I'm supposed to act, I got to just be who I am. And then I had a really, I had a loving relationship for a couple of years. And then we went through a very bad breakup and I kind of spiraled down. So it was a very, very hard time. And on the back end of that, I met my husband. And I married him six months after meeting him. And then go. from Michigan farm girl, we moved, he's a French guy and he moved me across the world to Singapore. Oh, wow. So eight months after I met this man, I was living across the world with him and I didn't really know him. It probably should have been a rebound, but I married him and I was all for the adventure, but it was the classic cycle of abuse use that word. And when I looked back on it later, I mean, this is what I'd studied at university and I didn't see it. Mm -hmm. It was a classic start to, you know, kind of beat me down. You didn't see it because love is blind. Love is blind. And he was a charming yeah. Frenchman who wanted to take me all across the world. I'd never even had a passport before. This was mm -hmm. exciting. And, and I had to marry him to move to Singapore with him. Right. That wasn't a real rule, but I believed it was, I was a young woman in my early 20s and I was naive and excited to get away from all the troubles and start mm -hmm. completely fresh. Yeah. And then over the course of the years, you know, I realized, oh, he's a he's a high functioning alcoholic. Oh, he's uh, he's saying horrible things to me. I don't this is horrible, but I was married now. And my own Yeah, when you say married. saying saying bad things to you, horrible things to you, is that while he's intoxicated, drunk? Most or, often. Or did it yeah, bleed over even when he wasn't. Yeah, uh, it was real subtle though. And so it was yeah. kind of like crazy making, you know, so you, they'll say, what's wrong with you? You know, or I would cut carrots wrong mm -hmm. during dinner and then I'd ruin the whole dinner. And by the time dinner was ready, he was drunk. So because wine yeah, and, yeah. and, and then sometimes there would be days of silent treatment and it was just, it was crazy making. I was always off balance and, and, you know, my, one of my friends after long after said, you know, it's the same people who question themselves the the crazy makers never do and, and it was true so every time i was like i don't know maybe it was me you know i had i have a good garden and they were and i didn't at the time because i was isolated i was in singapore and then i was across michigan and then i was in england and 
Um, but once I was home again after I left the marriage and I was surrounded again by people who loved me and treated me that way, they helped me see, no, like you're constantly questioning, but that's because they caused you to. And, and I'll own that too, James. You know, I often people will say, I lost my voice in the relationship. But I said that too. But years later, I can look at it and say, and I can look at me and say, no, I gave away my voice. Gave away. By piece by piece. And it, so it took years to reclaim it too. But now 10 years after leaving, well, it's eight years since I actually left the marriage, but 10 years since I really started coming back to myself mm -hmm. that I can say with total victor empowered attitude, I gave it away. I didn't mean to, I didn't realize it at the time, but in fact, I allowed myself to be treated that way. And with that awareness and with that knowledge, I can make sure that I never allow that again. Well, I'm, I'm um, I mean, I'm not sure what to say because you're not the first who I've heard, you know, with this uh, abuse and stuff. And I just don't understand why guys, men would treat women. I mean, we're physically stronger and all, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. and, but that doesn't mean you have to overpower to prove it to them. Mm -hmm. And I just don't understand it. And so uh, uh, I'm glad I'm not in a relationship like that. Uh, either way, because women women can be just as bad. Yeah, women okay? can too. And so, uh, so that's why I say I don't understand it. Yeah. And so, but um, I, I'm just so glad. I'm, I'm so glad it took you, uh, you know, eight, 10 years now that uh, – you found the real you again and uh, uncork the genie within <laughs> to come out and gave you your wishes to have life back again so you can help other people. Yeah. And, 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 and that's another thing why I say everything happens for me because I can help people, men and women who've been through situations where they've felt disempowered because I know what it feels like. And I know the steps that it takes to get yourself back and to feel strong and confident again, and then to create healthy relationships. And so I feel like it's a real blessing that I can use my experience to help others and not just other, my kids too, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I have three children, they're teenagers now. And sometimes they're like, I don't understand why he says these things. And I can say, hey, I don't either, but here's how we can, here are the tools that we need to use to stay strong within ourselves. And frankly, people who behave that way, and I mean, he's not physically violent 99% of the time, mm -hmm. but it's people who are that cruel uh, verbally and emotionally, I believe that it is from a deep sense of insecurity and self-loathing. So we don't, we're happy with ourselves and we're feeling self-love. We don't treat people badly. We treat them better. Like that love overflows from us to them. But when we hate ourselves and we're deeply unhappy, that overflows to the people in our lives. Well, you know, that's what to say about bullies, that yep. they've been bullied or hurt somewhere along the line. So now they're trying to get on top of the people and bully whatever else. So like you said, your husband, he's feeling so bad about himself mm -hmm. that he wants to drag everybody else down with him. Yeah. And, and I believe that, that they're truly hurting somehow, some why, for mm -hmm. whatever reason. And the only way they know how to do things is to do to is to put it back out. Right. Yeah. It's like the, the, that's the way they relieve their own 
unhappiness and, you know, dis-ease with their own life and their own beings to just like, no, I'm fine. It's you that's the problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, all right. Now, uh, Tamara, so if we know there's um, people out there hurting right now, but if you can give them one or two, I'm just, uh, we're not to the end here yet. Okay. I'm just, I'm just asking for a tip or two to be happy. You know, okay. they're, they're in some type of situation. What steps would you give them, you know, to start <laughs> the process of breath. getting happier? First step, take a deep breath. When we can put our attention back on our breath, our brain stops for a second and it gives us space to reset. So first of all, take a deep breath. And then life is so much better than most of us think it is because we have this natural uh, negativity bias. That's how we've evolved. It's okay. It happened. But if we could take five minutes to look for all the good in our lives, the silver linings. Just take five minutes and for five minutes say, oh, look, I might be scraping the bottom of the barrel, but my technology is working perfectly right now. Oh, the sky is blue right now. I'm breathing. My knees are working today. My hands are working. My voice is working. I had a good meal. I have water flowing from my tap, right? Some people have to walk miles for fresh water. And so if we if it's really hard, start with the simplest, smallest things. A lot of my, um, I work with seniors a lot. And, you know, when you're 95, you've been through some things. And they'll simply say, I woke up today. Like, that's a good day. Yeah. <laughs> 95 years old, I woke up today. That's a good day. So it starts so small and then build on it. Happiness comes from baby steps. We don't make a giant leap. It's just baby steps. And if we can do that and remember to do that periodically, then life gets easier and happier. I like also that uh, we keep up with some type. And I mean, you can mentally do it, but it's easier if you go and write it down because you can refresh your memory. Read. But the you know, gratitude journal. I love you know, gratitude as a tool. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and getting it from there. And that way you, you can. Cause you're going to forget what you said last year yeah. and, and, but you can go back and reread it and go, you know, it was, it was good at that time. Right. You know? Cause our, your mind could paint a different picture and think, Oh, I was, I've always been unhappy. But if you keep a gratitude journal and you go and you look and you see all the things that you were grateful for it, first of all, our brains don't know the difference between what's real happening right now or imagined or remembered. Mm -hmm. So when we reread the things that we were grateful for, we re-experience them as well. And then our brains release those happy chemicals. You know, mm -hmm. we get oxytocin, we get some serotonin, and we feel better. So those that is a wonderful tool. And gratitude can literally change your brain. I mean, the research shows that even three times a week, three to five things that you're grateful for can repave the neural pathways in your brain toward positivity, toward gratitude, toward appreciation. And not only is that good for your brain, it's also good for your health. Like that boosts your immune system, being in a state of love, gratitude, and appreciation. And we all need that right now. <laughs> hey, this gratitude thing, you know, it's better than an Energizer Bunny Rabbit. Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, that's how excited I got just talking about 
<laughs> hey, now, so um, here, here's my theory, and I know I'm totally wrong because I'm one of them that's not so bright, you know. But here's my theory, and you know, you're talking about, you know, we've inherited this negativity. And uh, what happens is, and we're a baby, how do we get attention? Well, my diaper is wet. Give me that clean. Well, I'm hungry. Well, I want you to hug me. And so we learn to be negative to get the attention. Mm -hmm. And now we've got to retrain ourselves the rest of our life. Yes. To get out of this uh, negativity and be positive as much as possible. Yes. And then learn from that. And if you have kids or, you know, eventually grandkids, then pay attention to the good stuff that they're doing. You know, give them verbal rewards for when they're doing things right instead of only paying attention to when they do things wrong. Thank you for vacuuming, even if they whined for the 20 minutes before they finally did it. (laughs) You know, your room looks really great. I appreciate that you cleaned that, you know, even if it took them three days. You know, I always tell my kids, like, we are a team and you'll have a nicer mom if you help me keep this space that we live in the way that feels good. So I don't yell at my kids. I did. I used to because I was angry and unhappy in my marriage. And then that was part of my own healing was to get a hold of myself. And, you know, we have these mirror neurons. People reflect what they're getting from us. If I'm angry and I'm talking angrily, then you're going to start feeling angry and you might not even know why. But if I'm speaking kindly to you, if I'm loving, if I'm if you're my kid, I'm giving you a lot of hugs and I'm touching you in the arm and we've got a lot of oxytocin flowing, then it's so more it's so much more positive of an environment. And then those kids are more willing to help because they feel good. Sad thing I, that uh, uh, I've come to realize is is uh, repeating patterns when kids grow up in a certain situation, mm-hmm. abusive, then they think this is the normal life. Yes. And then they push it on in their lifestyle until they realize it's wrong. Yes. Okay. And so like you're talking here, you don't yell anymore. Now you try to praise them to get them to do things, mm-hmm. to get them to on your right way. And so, yeah, it's amazing to me that um, uh, a lot of people, and again, I don't have kids, so I don't have the dog in a fight on this part, but I just don't see how they don't recognize that the kids are absorbing all this and they're recognizing, well, this must be the way life is. Well, right. And they don't recognize it partially because between the ages of birth and seven years old, our brains are in a meditative state and we're literally just absorbing what we see. And I read an interesting piece of research uh, once when I was early in my transformational journey, which was that uh, when, if you do have children, when your kids are about the same age as you were, when you were receiving that message, when you are witnessing that behavior, that's when you start repeating it. And I noticed myself behaving like my mother and I hated it because I had promised myself never to be like my mother. You know, a lot of us say that, but then we Mm -hmm. just repeat the cycle, but I noticed it and put a stop to it and asked my kids to help me again. I was like, we're a team and mommy's having trouble and I want your help so that I can not not yell, right? So if I'm not yelling, my attention's still on yelling and I'm going to keep doing it. But I switched my language to speaking with loving kindness. 
so that I had a happy, harmonious family life, which I didn't experience growing up. I had, we had a beautiful, fun, loving family, but there was a lot of explosive emotions and I wanted a happy, harmonious family life. And so I put my attention on that, invited my children to work with me. And when they saw me getting frustrated, they had multiple ways to help me. They could do what I asked (laughs) and they could um, just let me know, mom, it seems like you're getting really agitated. Remember what you said. You told us we could tell you when you were getting angry. Mm -hmm. And then I'd say, oh, thank you. Okay. And I also put notes up around my house as reminders, like speak with loving kindness. And you didn't, you didn't go, you think that's angry. You wait. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, but parents do that. Right. And I've witnessed this in my own siblings, repeating patterns that they witness because they haven't yet uh, had whatever they needed to have to change it. I needed to change it. And So I looked very carefully at myself and my behavior and made the changes. And I just spent some time with my sister and her family. She also has three kids and they're just reflecting to her what she's giving to them. I mean, they all love, there's lots of love, but there's a lot of anger too. And a Mm -hmm. lot of like, you know, my niece shoved her brother and then said, he's being mean to me. And I was just like, okay, this would have been my kids too, but I decided to take a different track and I, we get what we give, we get what we give. So if we don't like the results from the people that we have relationships with, whether it's work or friends or kids, we have to look at what we're giving and start giving something differently before we get it back differently. And when we're traveling that road with the potholes and the cracks in it and the broken sides, what do we do? Repave it. Yeah. Pave it to get it as smooth as possible and go from there. Tamara, boy, you have been, well, say Tamara, boy, not Tamara, boy, boy, Tamara, girl, <laughs> you have been a blessing today with me. I mean, I'm all fired up just listening to how happy you are and everything. And again, I'm glad that the, you've refound the recork, uh, reopened the genie bottle yeah, to, let the, to let it come out uh, from there. So um, uh, appreciate it. Hey, go ahead and, uh, Tell us your uh, social media, website, stuff like that for Mm -hmm. people to uh, find you. Cool. So thank you. My name is pretty unique. So most people can just write Tamara Zoner. I think there's only one other Tamara Zoner in the whole world. And she has all her stuff in Spanish. So it's not me. (laughs) But I am most prevalent on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook, all under Tamara Zoner. And TamaraZoner.com will get you to my website where you can find everything else. And I also have a podcast called Spirit Cafe, where we have conversations to perk up your soul. So you can visit me there too. And yeah, that's that's it. Basically, Google me and you'll find me wherever you need. But the old Google search. Yeah, Google's uh, great. I'll find the link stuff and I'll put it in the show notes to make it easier for people as well uh, to go from there. So, all right, Tamara, we're now, here's where we are. We're at that end now where yeah. we know people are hurting and struggling. And if you can leave us with one big golden nugget to help us get through today, mm-hmm. what would you tell them? Oh, gosh, that's a big question. I would tell them, I will tell all of you that the world needs you. You're here for a reason and you don't have to know what that is today. But part of this human experience is figuring it out. And it might just be that your smile changes someone else's life. And that's the whole purpose. So be yourself. 
in this world and be willing to be brave and vulnerable and then forgive yourself when you're not. Love yourself, forgive yourself, repeat, repeat, repeat. Repeat and re-rinse and repeat again. Yeah, so yeah. I'm a big believer into the, uh, you know, we've, we've been taught as growing up, we've been taught to forgive others that have wronged us, however we perceived it. Mm-hmm. But we're not taught enough that we need to forgive ourselves for the stupid stuff we've done. And then again, learn, grow, and move forward in life. So self-love, self-forgiveness, self-compassion are the bare necessities for happiness. So, all right. And uh, this self-love thing, we have to get on that on a different topic, a different day. So Tamara, thank you for being here. You've been a blessing and I'm glad that uh, we met through this big internet world here and everything. And uh, so we'll go from there. Hey, everyone, be sure to share us out. You know that uh, you need some happiness. You need, you know, someone that can show you some happiness. And so take this little story here from Tamara and uh, some uh, little points she gave as well and uh, help improve your situation as well. Get some happiness from when you deserve it. So. Hey, I'm Dr. James Perdue, the Professor of Perseverance. Welcome, and again, thank you for coming to the Professor of Perseverance podcast. Do something today, tomorrow, something next week that's going to help you persevere past your paralysis. Thanks for listening to the Professor of Perseverance podcast. For motivation, inspiration, and encouragement. For more information, go to Facebook at Professor of Perseverance. Visit the website at ProfessorofPerseverance.com and view the YouTube channel, Dr. James Perdue, Professor of Perseverance.